in Mark chapter 14, beginning with verse 10, we read, Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought an opportunity to betray him. And on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him, and wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, The teacher says, Where is my guest room? where I may eat the Passover with my disciples. And he will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. There prepare for us. And the disciples set out and went to the city and found it, just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve. And as they were reclining at table and eating, Jesus said, Truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. One who is eating with me. They began to be sorrowful and to say to him one after another, Is it I? He said to them, It is one of the twelve. One who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. This was the reason Jesus and his apostles had come to Jerusalem. The days that he'd been spending teaching in the temple, the things that they'd been discussing with him on the way to and from, those were all just prelude to this, the observance of the Passover. It was the Jewish people's most important holiday. It was an occasion that brought Jews from all over the world together there. And those pilgrims would need a place where they could go to observe this ancient feast, this most special of rituals together. And as Jesus gave the instructions to his disciples for how to prepare it for them to share together as a family, he amazed them as he so often did in even the smallest ways, telling them to follow somebody and go ask about a guest room and then to find that it's prepared for them. And just as Jesus said in the most unlikely of ways, it happened. There was an upper room waiting for Jesus and his apostles to partake of this sacred feast together, to celebrate, to enjoy time together as, as family, as friends. Yet, even in this most sacred of observances, Jesus knew as he sat down with them. Something that the others didn't realize, even those who were right in the thick of it, that he was about to be betrayed. Even though Jesus had told them over and over again that his death loomed there in Jerusalem, his own apostles hadn't understood it. So when Jesus announces that he's about to be betrayed, and not by just anybody, not just by his people's leaders, not just by somebody in the crowd, somebody he had healed, but by one of them, one of the twelve, one of his closest followers. They were shocked. They were sad. Who would do such a thing? One after another, they ask, is it me? Even the one who was about to do it. 
even the one, Judas Iscariot, who knew he had gone to the chief priests and scribes, who knew he had offered to betray his teacher and Lord, his master and friend for a sum of money. Even he had the gall to look Jesus in the eye, to feign sorrow, and to say, is it I? Putting on a show for everyone else there. Yet, notice how Jesus handled that. He doesn't call him out on the spot. He doesn't rip him apart in front of his fellow apostles. He doesn't strike him dead to prevent his own death from happening. Jesus, humbly, submissively, lovingly, allows it to play out. He lets us make our own choices, even though those choices are wrong, even though those choices cause pain, even though those choices would lead to Jesus' own death. He recognized that whatever evil we might intend, God had a greater plan for good and play, that there was something else that his ultimate death would accomplish, that there would be something that came after the sorrow of that night and the day immediately following. Yet, as we see this picture play out, as we see the truly heinous way that Jesus was betrayed, there's a lesson in it for us to guard our own hearts. Because Judas had the finest teacher, the finest shepherd that anyone could ever have. Yet his own desires, his own expectations got in the way and it would lead him to ruin. While God would ultimately work through what happened that day as part of the plan that he had had all along to save us all, Judas would be lost. So we have to realize it's not enough for us to be in the room with Jesus. It's not enough for us to be at the table with Jesus. As long as we're chasing our own agendas, as long as our focus is on ourselves and what we want, we can have someone so powerful, so loving, so patient, so gracious, right there looking us in the eye and bearing with us and still fail to be convicted and still refuse to change course. We need to learn a lesson from that because Jesus is every bit as patient with us. He's every bit as gracious with us. He is so incredibly loving toward us. Don't look him in the eye and remain unchanged. Let that love affect you. Let the pain and the suffering that he would have to endure give way to the joy of knowing that he had a plan that he wouldn't stay dead, but that he would rise, and that we would have the opportunity to gather at a table, to be in a relationship with him, and to know the full power of his transforming life.